Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Have you ever felt depressed about work only to have your dad be like, why are you so down? So you told him you hate your job and he said, well, you better talk yourself out of it. And then you thought, hmm, I love to talk. I could host a podcast. And then you went to Spreaker from iHeart and started a podcast and got good at it, then monetized it, then quit your boring job, then told your dad, thanks for the advice. And he was like, well, that's not what I meant. And I don't understand what a podcast is, but you seem happy. So that's great, kiddo. You ever do that? Well, you could at Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Ask your dad. You actually don't. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about stolen memories, handsome trees, and a bona fide pumpkin spice horse girl. Because what's better than a horse girl? A horse girl whose horse likes pumpkin. I'm Beth Elderkin, and I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Beth. I want to do a dramatic reading for you. Please do. Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater had a wife but couldn't keep her. He put her in a pumpkin shell, and there he kept her very well. Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater had another and didn't love her. Peter loved, or damn, I messed it up. Peter learned to read and spell, and then he loved her very well. I got so thrown by the second part. I fucked up. Oh. Wait, wait. Abby, if if Peter kept his wife in a pumpkin shell, how many wives did he have in Storybrooke? Because he's got a full farm. He's got a full farm, and they were getting nothing but noise complaints. Was he actively, constantly shoving women into pumpkin shells? Why is this not a storyline that we've <laughs> explored? I don't think it's one I want to. So this one, this is okay for it to be set dressing. I don't want any details about this uh, mass murder we had going on in Storybrooke. Listen, I, I, so we always talk about how we want, like, fun things, like, thrown in and interspersed in here. This one, um... Brings up more questions than it answers. <laughs> and yeah, this is definitely one of those. Anyway, Storybrooke After Dark. Uh, Storybrooke um, Halloween special. It's like <laughs> they're, they're like Marvel's werewolf story that just came out or whatever. Like completely oh, yes. tangential to the uni- cinematic universe and just something fun and funky. And then Emma's going to look directly into the camera just like She-Hulk. All right, everyone, we are talking about season five, episode five, Dreamcatcher. This is an episode where we learn a bit more about Emma's plans, um, Emma's schemes, and what Emma has been doing in order to achieve her goals and how it really starts to cross the line. And overall, I really liked this episode. I enjoyed watching this one. Um, it had some great character moments and took some risks that we don't see very often, but ones that I felt worked within the story. I I liked this because it also advanced the the mystery. So there was a lot more. The mystery is going to keep going. Like I was I was a little worried it was going to start getting stale, and they're just they're they're just leading us just just enough and close enough to it that I'm not losing interest per se. Yes. And I am, I forgot how, first of all, I forgot about this, the the little meeting in grannies that these two 13-year-olds have. And I remember being like, oh, yeah, like, what was bad about this? And it hit me literally right before the scene started. And I was like, the betrayal. Um, And now it like, it, it hit me where I lived. I was very, I was very upset. Henry crying for two different reasons, staring pensively out his window. I was upset about this. I was upset. This was an as a mother moment where it's like, my baby, my baby, my baby must be protected. How like, dare she? How would and you then do this to him? 
Yeah. Because I was already having, like, a conversation in my own brain about how I would, like, murder the man, like, Violet's dad. <laughs> because, like, as a boy mom, I'm just, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be super tolerant of the whole, like, girl dad or whatever being super scary. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. there's always this, a... Yeah. This was, like, one step below having that t-shirt that says, I've got a shotgun, a... a shovel in an alibi yeah like i mean if 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 my baby dragon so chooses to 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 go on a date and he goes to pick her up and the dad walks out with a shotgun i will match that energy like <laughs> but at the dad like what what are you doing they're kids like i don't this like she, she needs to be a knight i know we're gonna get there but i was so mad about this like it's such a weird like i have no control in my own life so i'm just going to exert it in this weird and strange way in a stable with a kid who looks like he's about to piss himself well, this episode was directed by Romeo Tyrone and was written by the showrunners Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, which I was actually surprised about because, you know, it does it does move the plot forward, like you said, in a way that does seem like a showrunners led direction. But it's not written in a way that the showrunners normally do. I felt this was actually written better than what they've given us in the past. So I was pleasantly surprised to see that they were at the helm on this one. You can tell that they were at the helm based on how the Rumple stuff goes. Because I think that was the only part of it that made me kind of go, I just, mm. Well, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on that. um, Because if it's all right, I would love to journey back into Camelot and let you take care of Rumple and Brave. Do I want to see him be brave? I was singing it while I was watching the show. Just no context. Just like stirring rice and just singing that line. <laughs> I want to see you. Um, yeah. Let's. All right, well, let's, we're going to go, go ahead and uh, we're going to start with a little bit of a little a hint of a backstory for Merlin. Uh, I do want to make a note that there is a deleted scene from this that actually starts the episode, but they didn't include it, where we see the young apprentice uh, bringing some squid ink to uh, Merlin's tower, and uh, he's using it to uh, make a potion to stop the Dark One, similar to what we saw with you know Rumple when he was stopped by squid ink uh, in, back in season one. So uh, there was like a little bit of a just a, a pre a preamble to Merlin's showdown with the Dark One for uh, stealing his love, for robbing him of his love. But alas, we did not get that. We jumped straight into the showdown between Merlin and the Dark One. The Dark One wearing a big mask, being very tall. It was very funny because it's clearly like a man underneath. Yeah. So it's like, you know, is it misdirection? Is it they didn't quite know yet? I'm guessing it's the former because clearly this is some showrunner-led breadcrumbs that are being laid before us because he's very clear in his language, says something something along the lines of, uh, my love is gone, you took my love from me, I miss her so much, you destroyed my love, and I, I, I gotta make you pay, but I can't. It's like... Yeah. Come on, dude. And and I get why I'm gonna guess that they, they did know and they just wanted to do the misdirection because I'm going yeah. to guess as we know what is beneath the cloak and the mask, that it would be very obvious because there is a posture mm-hmm. and a stance that I think that they would just very clearly be read through the cloak. I also wonder if they hadn't cast this character yet. Maybe. But but I think the misdirection is definitely more on on point and what a point it is because Merlin has the dagger to uh, command the dark one and uh, try to stop them but he can't do it for some reason he is unable to do so so the dark one then takes the dagger uh, swipes a tear from Merlin's eye it goes purple and then for some reason that turns Merlin into a tree it's magic we don't really need to know a lot more about it but did it make sense? Nah, no. Nah. The Dark One is originally just a druid making just like tree, like just tree magic everywhere. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird that this turned Merlin to a tree and then also Dopey turned into a tree. I'm just like, is there a tree Dark One thing that they're trying to establish? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like, maybe one of them had just like just watched. Uh, is it the happening? What's that M Night Shyamalan movie where like the trees are evil? Like, it is the happening. It is the happening. Um, 
But like that's because there's this whole thing like trees kind of communicate with each other based on root systems. So like that's like the dark ones. They all talk to each other a little more akin to like the avatar situation, although it's not them actually talking to each other. But I like the druid idea because then that would mean that the boar was more likely a wild form. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, and then that's how Merlin gets uh, put into a tree. Could not kill the dark one. Didn't have the gumption or the ability. And drops the dagger. And his tree is now a tree. It looked painful. That did not look like a pleasant process. No. I'm going to guess dark magic turning into, like, another form is just a very, like, gruesome situation. Yeah, that that felt like werewolf style transformation pain. Like your 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 bones are turning into things that aren't bones. Yeah. Like are that you going to heal suck. immediately afterwards? Yeah. Is it going to hurt like hell every single time? Yeah. Is it is it thing? It's the Wolverine line uh when he's all dark dark and moody like a couple movies later where it's like, "Does it hurt when the claws come out?" Every time smokes a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> The bloody knuckles. Meanwhile, comic book Wolverine. (laughs) Meanwhile, comic book Wolverine uses it to slice salami. (laughs) He's just like, let's go. (laughs) I am very curious about what kind of Wolverine we're going to get in the new Deadpool movie. Oh, I'm very curious and I will find out immediately. I I know they don't do midnight showings anymore. They do like Thursday at 8 p.m. showings. I will be there. I will be there in my Deadpool costume that needs a little bit of love, but I will be there. (laughs) Uh, cannot wait. All right. Well, this whole flashback is not just happening for us. It's also happening for Emma. She's watching the same show we are, except she's watching it through her Dreamcatcher, which is kind of like her little iPad. It's a magic iPad that she's using to uh, to take a visual. And, and this is a, a very clever introduction of this uh, very important plot point for Emma as the Dark One. That, you know, Neil used dream catchers. They're very sentimental for her. But Rumple also showed her, I believe, back in season two, mm-hmm. uh, how to use it to trap memories. Um, I think it was like with like Pongo or something. It was like some mm-hmm. weird thing that happened. So this is, you know, this, there is precedence here for her to use this tech, I called it technology. Technology, using dream catchers <laughs> to, to steal dreams. Techno- just like, it's a really advanced technology. It is, I mean, it is. It's you know, beautiful craftsmanship. And so, but as a dark one, it's a lot faster. It's a, it's instantaneous. She has this ability very quickly in a way she does not understand. Uh, Regina's like, <laughs> red flags, girl. Well, anyway, as she is doing so, uh, David and Mary Margaret are convincing Regina to uh, hand them the dagger because they are still under King Arthur's uh, influence that their magic powder has absorbed all their doubt and taken all their cares and worries away it's akuna matata all across the board i love how regina's just like questioning it every time they speak really are you really and dave is like listen we'd never do anything that was like like against the best interest of uh emma and then he also i forget what word he used but he uses like a ten dollar word and regina's like you don't know what that word means where did you learn that word Yes, isn't right. <laughs> and it comes to the point where Regina, she pulls it out of the tree where she had been hiding it and she's holding it with the hilt out. And again, is like, no, we're sure. Are we sure? We want to give this to Arthur. Yeah. Are we positive? And Mary Margaret pretty much lunges at her. Yeah. And is just like, you monster, give me that freaking dagger. And just at that point, Emma uses her yellow magic. Why is it yellow, Abby? I don't I don't know. I think they ran out of fun colors to be a signature color. They couldn't use white and they somehow landed on I were they going for gold cuz it is reading yellow. I mean, maybe I feel like they should have just done purple because that's kind of been the general accepted color for dark one magic. Is yeah. purple or just dark magic in general? You know, Maleficent and Cora and everything. Like, that's the accepted color. Yellow looks like pee. I'm sorry. It does. And you're right. Like, I, I I don't think I noticed it last week as much. But, like, looking at it this week, it was very clearly a yellow. They try to, like, like kind of juice it up by giving it, like, some sparkle. But now it's just shiny pee. And so it's like, 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But like maybe like maybe that's it. Like when milk goes bad, stay with me. When milk goes bad, it like curdles and then kind of goes yellow. So like her light magic is going bad and is just yellow. It's like yellow milk. I wonder if it stinks. <laughs> She's oh my using her God. magic. Her magic smells, smells like farts. so bad. <laughs> Oh, no, you do not want to be in that room when she is like, that's the reason they don't want her to cast her dark magic. It's not to save her soul. It's because it reeks. Oh, it just smells like old eggs, which also go yellow when they start going bad. It just smells like eggs that have been sitting out like for too long. Yeah, it's just like, what? Why is this happening? (laughs) Like, Oh, Emma, stop. Alrighty. Well, on that note, <laughs> I'm sorry. Now I'm just thinking. That's why the moon is made out of stinky cheese it's because she moved it, and Emma. now it stinks. Oh no. Well, all right. Well, now Mary Margaret and uh, and Charming uh, stink forever because they have been frozen by by Emma's magic. Because she's like, hey, Regina, do not hand it over. They're chipmi- They're hypnotized by Arthur. I know this because of this dream catcher. I've got super awesome magic now. And I do want to make a point. Emma's like cloak thing. The hood is starched to the gods. Yeah. And it looks incredible. The 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 volume of her like collar thing that's also knitted is a yeah. sight to behold. It's I want one in every color. Like I she looks so good in this episode. I mean, even even her Dark Emma stuff, when she's kind of wandering around, like, they just hit all the right notes in this episode. Like, I, I wasn't mad about her hair this episode. I wasn't either. There was a few shots where she's outside with Henry where it's like, eh, 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 but it's overall okay. But in, like, as much as the whole ethereal Emma in white as she's fighting the Dark One thing, like, as ham-fisted as that can be, I felt it actually looked really good. And the fact that her outfit was, like, knitted, but also really um, uh, what uh, well-built, well-structured, yeah. um, kind of also played into the, the form of a dream catcher. You know, it's it's got these different patterns. It's crisscrossed. It's, it's ethereal, but it's also very well-structured and well-put-together. So it's this interesting dichotomy that I think works very well and again gorgeous oh yeah and also like her hair is amazing like even at the very last scene when she's just breaking all of our hearts collectively her skin looks amazing and dewy like i'm just like how is she doing this she's breaking my heart and she just looks fabulous look at her go uh but yes her her cloak is amazing and she's also at this point in camelot slipped into her dark one um what do i want to call it not candor her speech pat the speech pattern that she takes on as the dark one because she has affectation her affectation of her voice that she uses as the dark one has slowly started showing itself in camelot um flashbacks it is and and i think it's getting better and better every week it's working more jennifer morrison is getting more comfortable in the role we're getting more comfortable with her interpretation even like her as like the dark one, dark one in the present day, I feel like she's just getting more and more into it in a really interesting way. I think it just takes time to let that sink in. I do. And I do think that the affectation that she designed to do that does go better with her dark one persona. It does. It is a little bit odd and jarring while she's sitting there with her beautiful blonde hair looking big and giant <laughs> and her, her cloak that looks like she's runway ready. Uh, as opposed to when she has the same lilt to her voice while she's like, she looks so tall, especially like compared to Henry and the beetle in that like later scene when they're in the pumpkin patch. Like she looks like a, an, uh, an extraterrestrial. She does not look of this world and she does not speak of this world. It's fantastic. She's so out of place. It's amazing. Anyway. I kind of just had a realization, and I'll, I'll I'll end it on this before I, before we get into the the bulk of the the uh, Camelot stuff. Her the, her collar now in Camelot is the same similar structure as the one as the dark one. So like clothing wise, like because when she first got into Camelot, it was very loose, it was very ill fitting. 
But like now it's structured in a way that matches her modern Dark One outfit. So I think they were kind of trying to show as she is accepting the Dark One powers as she's using them more, she's becoming more of that rigid, structured person we see much later on. Oh, yeah, because like when she shows up, she looks damp. Like it looks yeah. like she like had walked through rain to get there. And now it's like she's she's dried off. She looks fabulous. Um yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting, like, latent ability of the Dark One power, where you're just like, okay, so you show up, it's not going to be great, like, because, whatever. But eventually, you're going to get that, like, evil queen glow up that we all love. Yes. The evil starch. It's good stuff. <laughs> the it's evil primo. Starch. Listen, you, I, do you want shoulder pads? No, absolutely not. Then this hood is going to just, it's going to be like Texas hair. You put this hood up, you were going to be so close to God. Just going to, let's go. Uh, Yes. So anyway. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So Emma and Regina decide that they're going to free Merlin uh, on their own because they don't want Arthur to kill him using the reunited Excalibur and and dagger. And Emma's like, well, you know what? We can do it. I've got dark one magic. No problem. We're going to make it happen. Obviously, Regina doesn't want to do this. So they decide instead they're going to recreate the spell that put Merlin into the tree, which was through the tear. They're going to use a tear of lost love in order to bring him out, in order to save him. Regina offers to sacrifice herself to the realm of awful memories. Poor Regina, we feel for you. And uh, she relives the loss of Daniel. And it's 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 tough. I mean, yeah. I mean, in the end, it's um, all for naught. But yeah, I I love the like added bonus of just being like, no, you've this is not the, you have healed from this trauma. It's not. She calls it fresh at a certain point, and that makes me laugh so much because it's like your trauma isn't fresh enough for this spell to work. <laughs> like you need to be like actively cycling through grief. Like, I don't need you through the acceptance phase and years of scar tissue buildup. No, no, no. This needs to be like a gaping wound that is fresh, that you are actively trying to stop from bleeding. Uh, because, yeah, because Regina goes through and she lives through it and she's crying because you always cry. Like, reliving trauma like yeah. that, you'll always cry because you are going to have that same same response to it. But, and again, Emma points it out. I don't think she points it out in the best way of just being like, Oh no, you've got you've you've moved on. Like you've you fell in love again, you've healed from it. This is not these are not tears of a lost love. These are tears of like memories. Yeah. Memories long gone. This is a person you no longer even are. And there is a moment between Emma and Regina where Emma is seeing what Regina experienced at the hands of her mother and this serves both a character purpose and a narrative purpose, as we find out by the end of the episode, because Emma's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you went through that. That That's horrible. I'm so sorry. I can't believe a mother would do that to their child. And she's like, well, she thought it was what, she thought it was what was best for me. It wasn't. But that's what she thought. And it was wrong and sucked and terrible. And that's why I hate her. My mother was a complicated woman, and she did what she thought was best. Um, she did, and I, and obviously there was no way for them to have this knowledge because this is I'm talking in 2022 knowledge. Uh, but it does have the same kind of, the same kind of way that like, have you watched anything about like Janet McCurdy uh, with her like I'm glad my mom's dead book? Mm-hmm. Uh, because she's had the same thing. She was like, my mom was doing what she thought was best. Uh, it was all terrible. And awful, and it has made me like a very broken person in a lot of ways, and don't want me to be in the industry. But like, she's just like, no, my mom was very complicated. She was doing what she thought was right. It's like such a like something I don't personally understand, obviously, because it's not something I've been through. But when Regina said that, it tripped that in my brain. It tripped that like listening to her talk about like a mother who did terrible things in the name of advancing a daughter, and it's so weird that this came out like. Probably while that was happening. When did iCarly come out? That's a tangent. I'll deal with it later. Um, Anyway, I just want to say that. I thought that was interesting. 
Well, as Emma and Regina are working on this spell to free Merlin, Henry is, uh, he's uh, working a little game of his own. He is macking on Violet, and by which I mean he just stares at her creepily while they do things. I... I mean, he's a teenage boy. He's 13 in the show. He's 13. 13, big air quotes. Yeah. So like, yeah, we all did. We all did. This is exactly what we did at 13. And we thought we were so smooth and we weren't. Oh, it's doing that. And then just like listening to her talk about like, because again, we, you have to remember Violet is a horse girl. We love that for her. Um, very important for later plot points when we move back to Storybrooke. Uh, but she's just like, yeah, this is my horse. And these are my things, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just, uh-huh. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. That's neat. Anyway, she's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to take him. You stay here. And he's like, okay. Okay. It's fine. I'll see you later. Like, I'm just going to watch you leave. Your hair's so shiny. Um, and like, and yeah. while yeah, while she, while she goes, he picks up a sword and is, he's trying to, imagine what it could be to be a gallant knight to impress violin the way that he thinks she wants him to he's just playing around he's being a goofy teenage boy uh but uh, sir morgan will have none of that oh good lord he can't like the the sword is so heavy he can barely wield it is just is funny to me in a way let's just be like i'm a writer and like he's standing there struggling to hold a sword up just like eh eh but Sir Morgan is such a tool in this whole this. scene. He's just like, um, I need it. My daughter needs an alpha. You're a beta. <laughs> and I need you to get out of my sight and never talk to my daughter again. Okay, bye. He's like, what are you? He's like, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a writer. And again, it's such a it's such a funny line. He's just like, no, my son can only or my daughter can only date football players and people in the military. He she needs someone that's going to protect her. What are you gonna do when the ogre wars start? And we should just be like, Oh, I'm gonna be writing some just absolutely propaganda filled headlines to turn the the tides of the war like i will be in it in it I, I she's gonna he's gonna be embedded in the war he'll be in those foxholes he's gonna get the scoop like that's a real job being a writer during the war that's a big deal you gotta get that get the word out but we got morgan is very very short we gotta realize sir morgan can't even read probably <laughs> like how no. many people in camelot are literate like honestly, not to fault them. Okay, this was of the time. How ma- did could Violet read? I'm gonna guess Violet could probably read if he was like setting her up to date a night. Like there's like a well, true. Like, yeah, she does read the text messages. Yeah, she reads those things. I'm gonna guess he didn't. He was like one of those like give my daughter more than I had to make sure that she could you know marry into a good family. Uh, but I'm gonna guess Sir Morgan hung out with Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater. Like his first wife is definitely stuffed into a pumpkin. Uh, oh, but God. but he never learned to read or spell, so he never learned to love anyone very well. This this lyric, these lyrics are gonna haunt me. I'm also pre- they are disturbing. They are very disturbing, as most fairy tales tend to be. <laughs> so it tracks. Well, after this happens, Henry's solution is okay. I'm gonna change for a girl because that's the smart solution to everything. So he puts on, admittedly, a very cute outfit i i prefer it better over the squire like tunic thing he had on before he has a little coat he's out in the woods he's practicing his sword fighting and uh his moms come and he goes hey moms and i loved it i love hey moms love hey moms so good and he's like yeah i I mean violet needs a man i'm gonna be a man and they're like no just be yourself she'll like you for who you are it's such an after school special conversation that they have with him like, do you really want to change yourself for, for like, a, a girl or whatever? Which is fair. It is a fair conversation to have. And I feel like he also danced around the fact that, like, Violet didn't say this. Violet didn't say, I will only date the manliest of men. Her dad did. And I think he kind of alludes to that or without even straight up saying that. And they're just like, why change for a girl? He's not changing for a girl. He's changing to hopefully get the approval of the man in her life, which is equally problematic, but a different, we need to go about it a different way. Um, Because I think if they would have known the full context of like, oh, he told me I was a kind of a POS for being a writer and not a knight, that um, 
Sir Morgan would not exist on the, on the mortal coil anymore. <laughs> like, oh no, they would have they would have had choice words with him. That's what I'm choice saying. Choice words. That's what I'm saying. They would have had that same energy of just being like, oh, he he told you that like if you hurt his daughter, that he was going to go get himself put in jail. Well, I'm going to go get myself put in jail right now. No one talks to my son like this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the cheese moon would have a new crater in it because they would have thrown him yeah. into Sir that Morgan moon. shaped cra- moon crater. Uh, that's so funny. So anyway, yeah. So they were just like, no, just be yourself. It's fine. And so he does. He sets up a date at Granny's. Uh, he's super awkward and nervous, which is super adorable. The acting in the scene, not the best, but also their kids being stupid kids. So it kind of also works with the nature of the scene. These are two preteens who don't know what the hell they're doing. So, of course, the acting is going to reflect that. I, the, so the number of words, um, the number of words that he says to her in like the first two sentences of their date, and she just kind of nods. It's like he is speaking a foreign language. Like I re-listened to it. He's like, she's like, she's like, wow. He's like, so this is Granny's. Anyway, she had some lasagnas in the freezer that didn't th- that didn't go bad, so I reheated them. All strange, no context words that Violet would have no idea what. What's a lasagna? What's fro like frozen? I'm not sure. Like, I don't know Camelot's seasons i don't know if they have winter but like you know what i mean like what the hell's lasagna what's reheating what's none of this and then he opens up a pepsi can and she's like oh my gosh it's like what'd she say she said something in a can it's like something it's in a carnival can. in a can carnival in a can two things i also don't think she should know what are well yeah but once we learn that ha- once we learn the reason for that it oh makes sense. that's true <gasps> damn it i was well, no, like because like yeah, I, I was thinking the exact same thing as you because I didn't remember this twist when I, when I was watching this episode. I was like, they're being really pick and choosy with what she doesn't understand. Like, she's being pretty chill about the fact that she's in a diner. She's looking at a technology phone that is putting a movie in front of her. Like, there's a lot of things that she should not know or accept, and she is. Yeah, and she also and but she says he- a couple of strangely anachronistic things. Oh, my God. Uh, it's like I know, but I didn't quite know the level of deception, and I'm madder. I'm madder for it. Well, it all comes to a head when Henry confirms that to him this is a date because he likes her and he thinks he's, she's really pretty and she has very shiny hair. But she's just not that into him. Ugh, it's a little awkward. She's like, I just thought we were friends. I didn't really want anything more than that. And just to kind of juxtapose with the modern stuff, because, you know, we we get the one, two. The immediate scene afterward is Henry returning the horse and her giving him a kiss. And it was so weird to me until we understood why. Because I'm like, oh, was it just you, you needed your daddy's approval for who you were, like, going to dig? Like, he had to be an alpha male that got your daddy's approval. But it turns out that's not the case. She did like him. Uh, but something else was happening behind the scenes that we will we will find out. But in the meantime, Henry's heart is broken. broken. It's broken. He's a sad boy with his mobs, and it's so sad. And but you know what? Maybe maybe it's okay yeah. <laughs> because the sad tear of a sad boy makes a spell go poof. And as Regina is fighting Arthur and his goons with like one fireball at a time, because that's all the money they have. For I can do this. Events. I can do one at a time. It's all I've got. It's all I can do. I'm so sorry. This is all I've got. Emma completes the spell. She's surrounded by these weird ribbons that kind of look like Cruella Deville's hair, and she's like, she's just Jennifer Morrison. I gotta give her credit because she was putting her whole face into this spell. Oh she's yeah. Just like, just the the like claws outstretched as she's attacking this tree with the might of her big hands and merlin's cool and merlin is hot merlin is fine why is merlin this fine like and it's funny too because when david meets him and it just made me think about our conversations where david even charming was just like oh 
I was expecting an old wrinkly man. I'm like, boy, Josh Dallas can't catch a break. <laughs> we brought in a new I, guy. We brought in a new guy. He looks amazing shirtless and he's fine as hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Charming is going to start doing so many more setups on set. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, Merlin's fine as hell. He's got a kind of a... Listen, I'm just going to say it. I think I I do think it's cool. I would wear one. I would wear this and pretend to be Merlin and have a great time. Dorky as hell cloak. It's such, it's it's got so much like and I know what they're going for. They're going for like the, the Disneyification of the cloak where it's like laced in like there's gold trim. I think there's like celestial stuff on it. It's just it looks out of place for me. Like it just looks a little too costumey. Like just just is too shiny. It's too shiny for me. But whatever. It's, yeah. And the way that they did, like, they took so long with the reveal that it was Merlin in the tree. First, the second, I'm like, wait, was it, is it the dark one in the tree? Like, are we getting some really weird surprise or something? And no, it was just Merlin. They just took a really long time for no reason. Yeah, yeah, it was strange. Because it was just like, we know, we saw this, like, we literally saw this at the beginning of the episode. It's not like this was a three episode callback. Or a, like, what happened last week on Once Upon a Time. Like, this was a... This, this happened just 20 seconds ago. Um, but yeah, Merlin's here. And I just love... I, I like Arthur's little tantrum. You ruined my life. This is your fault. It's your fault. Merlin's like, my fault. And This is your fault. You suck. And Merlin... Or then Arthur just, like, leaves. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's... Yeah, Arthur's having a little bit of a tempy tantry. He's gonna yeah. have to go go um go have a, some grape nuts yeah. and go take a nap. Arthur Arthur's having a lot of big feelings that he doesn't know what to do with, so he has to shove them all into his oddly large collar that he's got going on. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone heads over to Granny's because, of course, Merlin's gonna. When you have Merlin, the all-powerful sorcerer, you take him to Granny's. So you take everybody. We take him to. We take him to Granny's. That's where we took Lancelot. Where we took Violet. Everybody meet us at the strange house in the woods. And they ask if Merlin can uh, release Emma from the darkness. And the way he says yes made me very suspicious. But I don't think I'm supposed to be suspicious because he was given some vibes. I think we were tricked by I think we were tricked by his vibes as well. Uh the last time we watched this. <laughs> Cuz I remember being like, "Ooh, it's something's up." I don't think anything's up. I think it's just supposed to no. we're just supposed to think something's up. Yeah, it felt if there's there's a bit of misdirect going on because the way he says he can fix it seems almost too easy. It's like, "Oh, oh, well Merlin's here, he can just stop it." But there is a caveat. He basically tells Emma that she has to consent. Yeah. He's a, which you know what? Hey, he's asking for her consent before he takes away the dark one magic. Merlin's a consent I, I, king. We love that for him. We love it. Uh, but Emma, she might not. Uh, she she gives a little bit of a look, indicating that maybe she's not ready to let go of this magic just yet, because it helps her out, and we're gonna see why. But first, let's head back to the present, and uh, we're in the jail cell, following up on uh the assisted suicide situation the murder yes the murder murder, yes it is murder the murder uh yeah it's just like what happened and then like arthur's like he probably he probably had the bean he probably had the bean and took it wow what 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 a jerk (laughs) (laughs) wow like i for some reason i thought that there was like something with the footage but like no one talks about it um and they're like, wow, I can't believe he was so selfish to use it on his own. And it's like, we could have all gone back home and blah, 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 blah. And they just kind of go, well, dang it. I guess he's gone now. We'll never talk about this again. Because they're like, dude, did he have any magic? Not that I know of. He could have just lied. Been like, yeah, he's a super magical guy. He's probably just poofed himself out of here. What a jerk. Yeah, he didn't. Like, why... I mean, why didn't just be like, well, the bean's gone. Like, this whole thing about, like, Arthur and the bean, like, to give his people false hope and then only to take it away. Like, he created a problem that then just solved itself off screen. And it would have equally served by not having it there at all. And everyone's going to be super bummed about this. But you know what's going to make everybody feel way better? A dance. (laughs) 
a party. I a party love that outside. they keep calling it a dance. Like it's a block party. They have a block party. Call it literally anything else except a dance, because you kept calling it like that, like it was just going to be a bunch of middle schoolers. Which again, Henry and Violet are involved, so it kind of is. But like, call it a ball. Call it a party. Call it a block party. Like have a cookout. Like literally anything else. Because she's like, yeah, it's about time Storybrook had a dance. You never called them dances in the Enchanted Forest. You called them balls. Like they were they were big events. Well, Snow does call it a ball at one point, but the whole thing about it, there was like no dancing. Yeah, there's no no dancing. No balling. There's no ball to have. Uh, And so they're like, yeah, this is going to be great. And it's like, you're going to call your girlfriend. Where she's like, what? What's going on? What's happening? And like Hook's there. Hook is there a lot and not talking. Like they just shove Colin O'Donohue in costume in the back of a lot of these scenes for this episode, which I thought was strange. Um, but yeah, she's like, he's like, yeah, don't worry, I'll I'll teach the lad how to dance or whatever needs to happen. So then they all like walk outside. And it's gonna be like we're all gonna have like a cool montage, and then Belle shows up. <laughs> she's like, Ruffle's gone because it's. It's only plot point that I'm involved in. He's gone. And she was carrying the rose again. <laughs> she doesn't know how to put it down. Like, it's just one of those, like, oh, I didn't need to bring this. He's alive. But, like, it's fine. She just, oh, God. I uh, will note that in the storybook and in the past, she was wearing green. And she looks good in green. Oh, she's declaring war against the Targaryens. Okay, no. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Uh, so, anyway, she's like, Rumple is gone. Smash cut to Rumple. Uh, he's t- tied up in the basement. And he's just like, I'm going to make you be brave. I was going to start singing it again, and I chose not to. And Merida kind of shows up, and she's like, I love Merida for this moment because this would have been me. You know what? I know you have my heart, but you know what? What if it's a mind over matter situation? I can fight it, and Emma just starts crushing her heart. She's like, okay, I'll stop. I can't remember what the name of the actress who plays her again. Oh, Amy Manson. She was great in this whole episode. I loved her in this. This this is a good grown-up Merida. Again, I wish her hair was bigger and crazier. Honest to God, I just, I do. But she did great. And she looked good. The, the, a little out of place costume kind of worked in this scenario. She looked great. Well, yeah, but she's been plucked from, you know, she's been, she's been pulled and she's been kidnapped by Emma and she's being, you know, like it definitely fits the situation that she's been put in. I just really loved her energy. I loved her uh, her quips, and I when she's like you know going back and forth with with Rumple, like I felt like she was on equal ground with Robert Carlyle. Like they had a really good rapport together. I also like that it did, did give kind of a grown up Merida because yes. she was a little bit more cunning about the way she was doing things because she was doing like she was she was doing stuff I think she normally wouldn't obviously Disney canon wise or Pixar canon wise or whatever whatever it was uh because in that she's a child but in this she's like an adult and she's going off to like fight a war and I think at this point I'm speculating because I don't remember but I'm pretty sure her dad has passed at this point I think. Yes, he, she confirms it. Yeah. Okay. And so it's just one of those things where it's like, this is an adult version of a character that we know. And I think it gave us the correct version of that. Like, uh, what that spunky child would turn into, given power and access to be who she wanted to be. And I love that for her. It also feels like they the writers have more liberty with the character than they did with, for example, yeah, example, yeah, Anna and Elsa, where those were recreations. This is an interpretation, and yeah, they get to age her up. They get to give her a, a new voice and a new perspective, 
And I feel like it's much stronger for it. If they were able to do that same thing with Elsa and Anna, I think that storyline would have been so much better. Ugh, I'm just glad they aged her up and the, the, the storyline wasn't also she's a bad mom now. Nothing drives me crazier than just like, also like, you know, those characters you loved as children, they're adults now and they're all the worst parents imaginable. <sighs> and the children must learn the same lessons oh, for God. some reason. And I know that it has nothing to do it has nothing to do with the actual canon of it, of Harry Potter, but like that's what the cursed child was. The cursed child was just like, what if Harry Potter grew up to be an even worse parent? Like it's like what? What's happening? Anyway. Anyway. So Merida and Gold are going to be having these, like, brave lessons, which is basically just Merida bullying a man that needs a cane. Yep. That's all it is. And he won't fight. He just won't. And she's like, well, I will get to the bottom of what will make you be brave. So and she, what is it? She goes, yeah, what could it be? What could it be? And so she does, like, a really quick kind of montage thing, which... My favorite part is that she's doing this because Belle is probably running around with her hair on fire somewhere. So Merida is just fully breaking into the pawn shop, reading. She's in the mayor's office at one point looking through the book. And she's like, oh, well, he loves Belle and he loves this stupid little teacup. Great. Um, And so she's like, I know. So she takes the teacup and she goes back. Also, I was at TJ Maxx the other day and they had Chip, like the Disney version of Chip as a cup that you could buy and he would had the chip on him but he also had because he was being poorly taken care of at tj maxx extra chips on him like he's super <laughs> chipped. I was like chips chipped oh my god so she takes she takes chip and she goes back to the weird little clearing that they're in because like rumple's just tied up there this like listen i don't like rumple either but like they they never just let him be they don't trap him anywhere. They always tie him up. It's like his poor pecs have got to be all just stretched out. He was stretched around a tree. He was always trees. It's always trees. Yeah. I mean, just do what like Zelina did. Just give him a little room and some straw. Yeah. You know? Let the man lay down. Uh, so she comes back and she very dramatically cuts the rope. And she's like, I think I figured out what it is. And she holds up the cup. And I love this whole sequence. Because she's just, and I say this, uh, I say this kind of cheekily, but like, she's just being a bully to him. She's like, oh, it looks really delicate. I wouldn't want to break it. And he's like, no, don't do it. She's like, wow, listen. And so she gives him like a stick to use as a cane. And then immediately, like, she's like, you only need one good arm to be a swordsman. So she gives him the sword and then immediately knocks it out of his hand. It hits him to the ground. It's like, all right, you're standing. You're holding a sword. Eh. Just, just be a meter in hell. He does attack her at one point when she's teasing him about how delicate the, the cup is, which is funny in its own right. Like, I'm holding this very delicate cup. And he comes at her trying to kill her. Like, the cup's going to break, Rumpel. <laughs> okay. But he's being brave. I guess. That's not brave. It's just senseless. But sure. The only thing that I disagree with is, like, the concept of how they're trying to portray being brave. Like, that's the only yeah, thing I'm nitpicking on this is just like brave is not like valiantly fighting. Like she's not threatening Belle's life. She's threatening to break a tchotchke. Yeah. They're, they're kind of equating brave with aggressive or just, which is, yeah. 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 The alpha thing. We're back to the alpha thing where it's just like, what if I took something that you, you kind of hold dear and what if I, I'm going to smash this no, and you resort to violence. That's not brave. <laughs> like, yeah, no. And that's reactionary. Yeah, it's reactionary. And he's just like, see, you weren't thinking. It's also not great. <laughs> but okay, sure, sure. We're getting there. We've at least got him up. And he's decided to engage in brave training. But Merida has her own motivation. It's not just no, to yes. do Emma's bidding. She going to kill Mind over matter. Mind over heart. Because Emma's still got her heart. She's like, you know what? We're, we're going to get Emma get emma we're gonna do it you and me da, 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 da. let's go be brave <laughs> i'm gonna make myself brave <laughs> uh and uh yeah but like while that's happening henry henry says one of my favorite things and it like it it made me kind of wince in corporate america because like 
he goes and sits next to Violet and being like, did you get my text? I don't know if this ever happened to you when you were in office somewhere, but it would just be like someone would walk into your office or to your desk. Did you get my email? Like, yes, you didn't have to come over here and check. (laughs) That's why you send them. You didn't have to come over here. And she's like, I can't. My horse is missing. I couldn't possibly dance. My horse is missing. And he's like, well. My my dad got some pumpkin to try and find it. Because my my horse is just as much of a horse girl as I am. My horse loves pumpkins. My my horse is a pumpkin girl. We really love the fall. Uh, Doesn't eat apples like some basic bitch. All pumpkins for us. Um, Nicodemus. (laughs) Nicodemus loves tiny pumpkins. Um, and I just love it. He's like, but like, but you're sure your dad will find him. Like, we could probably still like go to the dance. She's like, you're not hearing me. Nicodemus is out there, lost, without a pumpkin to his name. What will he do? <laughs> I couldn't possibly go anywhere. Let's get her tears. This is the lost love of a horse girl. These tears would probably cure Emma. (laughs) These these are the tears. The tears of a teenage girl going through an emotional, dramatic event could probably power the world. I'm just saying. That's, 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 that is deep. It's also, I feel that. I I feel that in my soul. I was that girl. If you could harness that energy... There would not be an energy crisis. We could we could run cars on it. The grid would be fine. So Henry's like, finally, my moment. So he goes to Emma. Emma's new house. I love Emma's new house. And he knocks on the door and she comes out. And I just kind of love the idea that she doesn't have like dark one casual. Like she's no. fully dressed out. And she's like, what's up? He's like, listen, you know why you came here? To give people their happy endings. I need you to give... My girlfriend who's 13 needs her happy ending. It's a horse that's not going to live as long as she is. We have to. This is <laughs> such gotta a bummer. We got to go. We got to go. And she, Emma does have some fun lines in this. Like, I really love her. Like, they're walking to the beetle. She's like, you know what? I In my bail bondsman days, like, I caught a guy because he really liked pizza. I was not holding the pizza in front of me, wagging it around, hoping he'd show up. But I get the point. I just love the idea of just like Sir Morgan, manly alpha man, standing with like a pumpkin he probably smashed in half with his own bare hands because he is a man and masculine. And just be like, hey, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. <laughs> Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Like doing that thing, like just mad dad calling. Like in no way would a horse come to this. <laughs> like, God damn it. Nicodemus. Yeah, there was another moment in the in the car with them where Emma is kind of asking Henry basically about his game. And he talks about the song that he played and oh. you know, kind of how they met and stuff. And and then she's talking about how, you know, like asking, you know, oh, did you learn that from your dad? He's like, yeah. I mean, that's like one of the only things he got from his dad. And it was a nice moment between them. There was like sadness and regret and connection, and I felt it. Yeah, that was a nice moment. Um, I will say that I I did like that um, earlier in Camelot, Henry and Violet were bonding over Dead Parent Club. <laughs> my, yes, my mom died, and it's really sad. Oh my god, my dad died. Let's be sad about it together. Um, and so they decide they're gonna go. <laughs> Emma drives him to a pumpkin patch. And she's like, yeah, like after the second curse, she's going to kind of throw away line. She's like, yeah, after the second curse, this Peter guy moved in, uh, got a lot of noise complaints. It's like Peter, 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 pumpkin eater. Like that's where the, that's why I read the dramatic reading. Uh, Because, and she's like a lot of noise complaints. And again, this is one of those deja vu moments where I think I complained about this. The first time we watched this of being like, was it a noise complaint due to the amount of women he was shoving into these giant pumpkins because they're big pumpkins. They are. They're not little. They're not Bo Burnham tiny pumpkins. They're not white women Instagram pumpkins. They are big, big pumpkins. Big and numerous. Big and numerous. There's so many cold cases going on at the Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater farm. And where is Peter? Where is this dude? Anyway, they find Nicodemus. He's a tree. Yeah, he's a tree. He's a pumpkin tree. It's just very confusing and scary. Uh, but Nicodemus is there. 
Uh, but that's not the point. The point is the fact that Henry is being u- not used on purpose, but just they're banking on an opportunity that Henry is distracting Emma to all do a little light B and E. Yeah. Let's go break and enter into Emma's house. Uh, there, I love when they find out there's protection spells because they never like, they never like poke it with a stick first. They always just like go in barehanded and then just get knocked. Yeah. Back ass words. And then are shocked that there's a protection spell. And it's just like, guys, we're all playing on the same page. We're all putting protection spells on things we don't want. So anyway, it's like, well, she let Henry in. And I'm like, I don't feel like she let Henry in. Henry was just on the porch. Doesn't matter. Regina summons like a scarf, gets Henry in, makes the comment that he's the hero, which is a thing that they say in the Camelot storyline as well. That Henry is the hero. Henry's pain is heroic. Henry's pain is heroic and Henry's scarf existing is his heroicism. Good job, Henry. We love passive heroicism. So they get in. They find Excalibur in the basement. And then they're like, oh, that must be what's happening. And then they leave. Because <laughs> like they're like, oh, Henry's coming back. So they start leaving. But like Regina and Robin stick around. No, it's Hook. Hook gets distracted because he sees something on the table that seems oh. strange to him. So he opens it and inside is the dream okay. catcher. That's what happens. So they, they see that. So I'm remembering like later when we talk to Arthur about this later. And I'm like, how does no one notice that Arthur is evil? He's only looking th- at people through his eyebrows. Like he's just, <laughs> he's like in this weird like snake skin. I don't understand the top that he's wearing. It's not the point. Hook sees the dream catcher. There's a little bit of exposition to, like, get us all on the same page to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they pull out the Dreamcatcher. And it's like, oh, well, if she has this. And there, it's just a lot of, oh, well, Neil had this. He taught her this. This the dark magic. Blah, blah, blah. And, and they and they surmise that that's probably how Emma took their memories. It's probably where yeah. they're stored. Not necessarily in this Dreamcatcher specifically, uh, but in Dreamcatchers in some capacity. Uh, yes. And then so the the side thing that happens is basically they all then tell Arthur because they think that they can trust Arthur that that Excalibur is in the is in the basement. Hook notices that it looks a lot like the Dark One dagger. <laughs> Arthur's just like, how would you know that? And he's like, I've seen him. I've seen them both. No one would make two swords that look like that. That would be lunacy. And again, like I said, the whole time Arthur is acting so just, you know, sus AF. He's just so weird and squirrely this whole time. And nobody seems to notice. Nope. Which is really weird. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's like not even not even Hook raises an eyebrow. I yeah, they're all just like, oh, this is just normal. Maybe he's just like the weird world's weirdest king. Just like, well, they're usually not like normal. They're just kind of strange he's royalty, eccentric. you know. Uh, but yeah, they're they're you know, and then and Henry brings the horse back for Violet. And everything's happy. And and Violet's dad is just like, you're going to be a great knight. And Henry's like, mm-hmm. Say nothing. Say nothing. Don't just be like, I'm not, not I'm a writer. <laughs> I'm a writer. <laughs> Don't say it, Henry. And he doesn't. And he's like, this will be great. It's going to be fine. It's like, you, you're not going to marry her for minimum another five years. You can keep that close to your chest. Uh, and she kisses him on the cheek. It's so nice. It's so um, cute. And, 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 and he's like, well, how is this happening? Like, I thought she wasn't interested in him. Yes. So, what does it mean? We will get to the betrayal. The betrayal of Emma Swan. Caused by Emma Swan. It doesn't matter. So, Regina and Robin are looking at the Dreamcatcher. And Regina is kind of explaining to Robin, like, what kind of weird dark magic it could be. And she sort of activates the thing. And she activates it. And she's like, oh, these aren't our memories these are violet's memories but like it's watching violet i i get it but at the same time like why would the memories be like a third person memory 
Well, that's happened the same thing with I know, and it bothered Regina me with Regina's memory and stuff. Like, I think this is just going to have to be a a reality in the in the technology of the Dreamcatcher that we just have to accept. It's always going to put us in the third person. It's going to be an omniscient narrator. narrator yeah, the the memory isn't her physical memory. It's like the surrounding memory, like the single camera that's following around all of these characters. And it is after Henry has left, uh, because he's sad because Sir Morgan is a jackass. And <laughs> I'll give it to Violet. Violet's pretty chill through most of this because Emma's not acting normal. Emma appears and basically says, you know, like, can you keep a secret? Again. Not, there's not a single adult in this television show, main cast included, that knows how to speak to a child. Nope. <laughs> like, this is such a weird thing to say to a child. Just be like cornering a child alone. Just be like, can you keep a secret? <laughs> uh. And she's like, yeah, okay, well, Henry can never find out about this. Steals his heart. Or steals her heart, sorry. But steals Violet's heart. And it is basically revealed that this is the reason... Violet denies Henry in the granny's scene is because because Emma knows that Regina's pain isn't going to be enough because the and dark so one she would has know a backup that. plan the dark yep. one would know this so uh so she's just like I have my backup plan and I'm going to break my son's heart to make this happen and th- this is what happened and you just hear Henry behind. And you see him. You see him arrive right before the Dreamcatcher uh, starts playing its iMovie. And then you see him afterwards be like, ah! And it's just like, oh my god, no. So then Emma tries to go visit him. Doesn't Bad timing, now. girl. <laughs> oh, girl. She's like, I'm here to see my son. Oh, you mean the son that you betrayed? And she's like, I was doing what I thought was right. And she's like, cool. That's something Cora would say. And you don't understand. That's something Cora would say. I'm just trying to protect him. Yet another thing. A hat trick of Cora phrases. You're a monster. And basically turns her out on her ass and is just like, he doesn't want to talk to you. So Emma leaves. And as she's walking, she like kind of looks up to where Henry's room is. And Henry is just like, to, I, I know that it's not only a Taylor Swift thing, but I always just like, I always hear Taylor Swift music when I see people pensively staring out windows. Um <laughs> And my first immediate thought was this is one of the important, like, this is why, like, having, like, sign language, even as someone who's hearing, would be important because you could be able to just be, like, you could sign that you're sorry. You could sign, like, anything. Communicate still over a distance. And then I'm like, but what would Henry say back? And then I'm just like, he'd give her the middle finger. Like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all the sign language Henry needs. It's just two Universal. middle fingers. Two middle fingers and closing the curtains. Um... And so she leaves, and it's a the sad Scrubs music, because she has crossed a line. Yep, and everybody, that's season five, episode five, Dreamcatcher. Although it's not really catching dreams, it's catching nightmares. N- nightmare catchers. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we kind of said everything need to be said. I think this was a solid episode. I really, I really enjoyed it. I did too. I, I liked it. I mean, I, like we had a good time. It was fun. It's advancing the storyline. I think I enjoyed it more this second time that I watched it. I remember being kind of confused the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I think I think the the second rewatch is is adding to my the way I I feel about it. I'm gonna be very interested when we get to the end of the season or end of the entire show and kind of rehashing where we landed on best versus worst things. I'm very excited for that. I am too. I'm. I'm excited for this storyline specifically. I'm also really curious about the second half oh, of no. this season. It's no, it's going to be bad. Oh, so bad. <laughs> but I wonder if I'm going to have more fun because I know it's bad. This, so this is, it's just the Rocky Horror Picture Show effect. It's just a, this is a bad movie that we've all rewatched a bunch and we've all just kind of come around to and the nostalgia kind of puts a weird effect on it we just need to like find the worst episode and turn it into a meme and then we'll all watch it we'll all wear costumes when we go because it's just at a certain point 
you let go. Because I think we had a lot of hopes and dreams going into a lot of this. Knowing what we know, you can just enjoy it a little bit more. Just enjoy the ride. As opposed to speculating and hoping for something different. I'm having a little bit more fun than I think I was the first time. And that's fun. We are all in the truck as King Arthur is driving. (laughs) And Prince Charming's got that two by four. And it's heading straight for all our hearts. And then it's going to stab us with fun and love. I don't know where I'm going with this. We are being absolutely exploded. (laughs) The sheer physics of us being hit with this season of nostalgia is mind-blowing and disgusting. Exploded Uh, with fun! It's just going to die of fun! (laughs) A good episode, a good episode, solid episode. Thank you everyone for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. We want to thank all of our listeners. We want to especially thank our patrons, for example, our Swan Queen patrons. This week's Patreon shout out goes to Zach Chobanoff. Thank you so much, Zach. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, you can head to patreon.com slash Timing. You can support us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or, you know, wherever you get those podcasts. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And we're going to be back next week with season five, episode six, The Bear and the Bow. Yes, we're getting the Merida stuff, y'all. And Magic beer. Magic beer. I'm 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 looking forward to it. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this. I'm so happy. We're going to have a good time. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us and Abby. We're going to see you next week. See you next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.